Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him, and went away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's scripture is very well known. We often get the render unto Caesar what is Caesar's line out of this verse. And I think too often that's the line that gets focused on. And there's a lot more going on. But a little background is needed to make sure that we all know where we're at when this happens. They have been trying to trap Jesus in his own words. They bring up taxes because the Romans have imposed terrible taxes on the people of Israel. The taxes are not fair. They are not collected in a nice way. And the Jews have no say at all over whether or not they should pay the taxes, nor what the taxes will go for. The taxes are not popular. The taxes are not liked. The problem is, is if you spoke out and said, we shouldn't have to pay these taxes, you were thrown in jail, or worse, because you were defying Rome. You were saying that Rome deserves to be overthrown because... They were unfair. When they come to Jesus, they're trying to either get the people to go against him because he said the taxes are fine, or they're trying to get the Romans to go against him because he said the people shouldn't pay taxes. Jesus figures this out pretty quick. They ask him, should we pay these taxes? So he asks to see a coin. They hand it over, and he goes, all right, who is this? And they go, well, that's, that's Caesar, that's the emperor. He goes, okay, well, if that's the emperor on that money, he made the money, he asks for the money back, you give it back to him. It's his money. And often we stop there. To me, it's this next line that I think actually silenced his opponents and caused them to leave. And to God the things that are God's. Give the emperor what's due to the emperor and give to God what is due to God. In saying so, Jesus says an awful lot. We don't often think about God's things. What it is that belongs to God. But when Jesus makes this point... He's talking about an awful lot of things and an awful lot of freedom 
for God's people. We can look back through the Old Testament to figure out what belongs to God. The land belonged to God. We know this because he said it that even if land in the countryside was sold to another family, if it went out, if it traveled all over, at the end of 50 years, everybody's debts were wiped out and family land went back to families. Even if they hadn't lived there in many, many years, because the land belonged to God, God decided the people could return to the land he gave them. We know the temple is God's. God decreed that they build it. The altar is there. It's for God. Everything done there is for God. But maybe most importantly, the people belong to God. The Israelites are God's chosen people. When Jesus says this, he's defying both the Pharisees and the Romans. The Pharisees are carrying around Roman money happily paying Roman taxes, trying to fit into Roman society. Jesus challenges them, give back to God what is God's. Give God's people back to God. This got me to thinking about how often do we think about what belongs to God. I'm reminded of something a friend of mine once said, he said, this is not my church. I may preach here, but this church is not mine. Now, some people stopped listening at that point, and it caused a lot of frustration and confusion. But he went on to say that the church was not his because it belonged to God. He served in God's church. He serves God's people in God's church. But he could not claim the church as his own because the only person the church belonged to was God. This got me to thinking about how often do we take things for granted in our lives as being ours? How often do we look inward and say, well, this is mine. I made it, I built it, my own two hands. This is mine. I helped raise this church up. I helped build it. It's my church. And I will do with it what I want. This is my home. I will do whatever I like because it's mine. We get caught up in our idea of earthly things. And we forget about what belongs to God. We forget that we belong to God. Truly, to serve Christ, we give up self. We give ourselves up to death on the cross so that we may live in Christ. But if we live in Christ, it means that we have given ourselves over to God so that we might be free from sin. That we might escape the sting of death. That when we do that, we have to let go of self. I fail at that. More often than I would like to admit. It happens because we always mess up. We are human beings and we have faults and we fail. 
Sometimes I get so caught up in worrying about what I'm going to do, I think I'm the only person that can solve my problems, and it's got to be me that's going to save the day. Sometimes I forget that there, but for the grace of God, I go. Without God's help, I can only do so much. And it's not much. And sometimes this creeps in when we think about what we're giving to God. When we hand over our gifts to God, sometimes we want to keep our hand on that plate a little bit longer than we should. Because we don't think about what does God want to have happen with this. We start pulling it back and going, well, what do I want to have happen with this? What do I want to see done? We want to make people jump through hoops because we want to say, well, I want to make sure that my money is going to the right place, that it's serving the right people. Forgetting that God's children are the right people. All humanity are God's children deserving of our love, deserving of our time, deserving of our efforts. God calls on us to be a light to the world. Not just a light where we would like to see light, but light everywhere. Sometimes we forget what God has called us to because we're so busy thinking about what it is we want. We have to be careful with this, though. Because we could take this too far and go, well, then I should never think about myself. I should just go out and do, do, do until I can't do any more and then do it again the next day. I'm not going to think about myself. I'm just going to do things for everybody else. In that, we would forget that God does command us to care for ourselves. That he commands us to love ourselves, too. It's not very loving to wear yourself down to nothing, to where there's nothing left to give. But what it does mean is that whatever we do, wherever we go, we remember that God is there with us. No man is an island. No person does things completely on their own. Whether they want to acknowledge that God is there or not, God is there. It's up to us to disconnect from all of those worldly things that make us think that we are the center of everything. That we are the ones who have to do it all. That we are the ones that make the decisions. That we are the ones that need to be congratulated and patted on the back. That we are the ones that deserve thanks and praise. And we hand that back to God. We give to God that which is God's. Because I know I would be nothing without God. I would be nothing without the people that God put in my life to guide me, lead me, help me, teach me. The people who keep me in check. The people who remind me what it is I need to do. That God is there. And God gives me something that I cannot give myself. I can think that I can give myself whatever it is I need today and I can manage it today. But God gives me a future. 
I can do nothing for the future. I can only do for today. But God can help me tomorrow and the day after and the day after, and I know he will be there. He will be there no matter what. He is my hope. That even if I fail today, God will be there to help me make it right tomorrow. That even if I mess things up so bad that I don't know how to fix it, God will help me find a way to fix it tomorrow. Because God gives me a future. God gives us all a future. Not just in this life, but in life everlasting. Not just in the love we carry in our hearts, but the love that we share with the Lord and with all our brothers and sisters. A hope for something greater than we could ever be alone. That we have the chance to serve a God whose steadfast love endures forever, whose mercy is unending. That even if it takes me a lifetime to right my wrongs, it'll be a lifetime I spend with God, working on getting there, working on doing what is good and what is right, and giving back to God. I can't imagine a better way to spend my days on this earth than with hope and all that will come after in God's kingdom. That I may go home and be with all of God's children and bring light to a world that is sometimes so clouded in darkness that I put my hope and my faith in God. And I put my trust in the Lord. Amen.